the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good afternoon, everybody. I uh, watched uh, my older lab today. Chewbacca is his nickname. Uh, and uh, so I thought I'd do some quotes about winter. Get us Because it was minus four with the wind chill factor is what they said when I came back in. In the depth of winter, I finally learned that there was in me an invincible summer. To appreciate the beauty of a snowflake, it is necessary to stand out in the cold. That was Aristotle, by the way, one of my heroes. What good is the warmth of summer without the cold of winter to give it sweetness? The color of springtime is flowers. The color of winter is imagination. A man says a lot of things in the summer he doesn't mean in the winter. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Anyway, this is a live show, so if you've got some questions, the number here is 216. 216- 901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. And if you want any of the material I talk about on this show, just go to WHK 1420. Local podcast down to Smart Investor Show, Tim Hayes. And you can get our dividend growth portfolio, our, our prime income list, our ADR list. Uh, you know, I noticed quite a few ADRs picking up this week. A lot of uh, buy, uh, buy signals on ADRs, which is interesting. A lot of money flowing into emerging markets, which is very, very interesting. Also, our multi-cap portfolio, our small-cap portfolio are good ideas. And I, I just sent our uh, our business you know, guide to transition planning to uh, two people this week. Also, Women and Wealth, a planning workbook, and the Savvy Investors Credit Workbook. Uh, by the way, if you don't have a wealth plan, we do have one that's online, and uh, you, can, you can play with it. You know? uh, so there you go. Um, so look, well, here, let's just start out with some, some, you know, quick things. Hunting license sales are up more than 12% nationwide from last year. That's interesting. Um, <laughs> how long it lasts with the new administration. All right, they already put a, a gun control uh, thing in the, in the house. Uh, the returns from online shopping last year created 5 billion tons of landfill waste. That's the negative, uh, and produced as much carbon dioxide as 3 million cars driving for one year, according to Optero. That's a tech company that manages retailers' returns. The National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration uh, calculated that the global average temperature last year was second highest to date, just 0. 0.04 degrees Fahrenheit shy of the record. That was in 2016, by the way. Uh, okay. Um, I did, you know, I, I was looking at things and I, so, you know, we, we had what is what they call economic dispersion, okay, and, uh, you know, during the crisis. And it was kind of interesting. Uh, if you look, games, toys, and hobbies were actually up 34% for obvious reasons. 
Furniture and furnishings were up 16%. Pets-related products were up 13%. Clothing was only down 7 You would think that'd be worse. Food services down 13 Air transportation down 49 And then live entertainment, movie theaters, and sports were all down 80% or more. Kind of interesting, huh? So it's, it's – uh, some things you know you know you have to uh, pay close attention to. So uh, uh, you know, figure that in your investment thinking. You know, somebody uh, I just had some people on the line on Friday talking to them, and uh, very nice people. They called me and they said, "Hey, we're retiring. Where's the best state to retire?" Well, the, if Kiplinger, uh, you know, which has some good information sometimes, uh, the top ten from the top the tenth down. Starts with Tennessee, then it goes to Arkansas, then it goes to Arizona, then it goes to South Carolina, then it goes to Colorado, then it goes to Nevada, then it goes to Wyoming, then the District of Columbia, then Hawaii, and then Delaware. By the way, six of those are Democratic states. <laughs> so if you're if you're a Democrat, uh, you're in great shape. If you're a Republican, you're not in such great shape. So there we go. Um, so. You know, I was thinking, well, where do we start? Where do we start? Uh, well, let, let's go and start this way. You know, I was looking at the yield curve. And one of the things that uh, kind of bugs me a little bit is the two-year curve is hitting new It's just about to hit new lows. And uh, and I'm talking about the yield now, okay? So we're, it, we're getting a more... Uh, you know, normal yield curve. However, with the two-year, that doesn't bode well. Okay, uh, you don't want the you want the two-year to be more. Uh, you know, it's it was at 12 basis points. Now it's at eight. All right, so you you want it to be a little bit more a steeper. Let's put it that way. I guess is the point to to, to say. So, uh, you know, it, it's hard to tell you. You know, the five to ten years is still the best place to be as far as yield curve positioning. Just you know, for those of you who are buying bonds. Uh, but I, I also think that you have to pay uh, particular attention. Uh, you know, it don't go long. You know, I, I just heard some people buying uh, municipal bonds out 40 years. I'd be, I'd be worried about that. I, you know, Tim personally, anyway. Look, I, I, I think um, what's going on here, and if you see it, consumer discretionary. We're going to talk about dynamic asset level investing in a minute, but. The U.S. consumer experienced a very challenging 2020, but we believe at RBC that consumer spending is positioned for a strong recovery this year and probably well into 2022. Uh, A recovery would likely reshape the the consumer spending landscape away from the stay-at-home spending and towards out-of-home spending. So that's that's a way you got to think. So consumer discretionary is one of the places we like. Industrials is one of the places we like. And oil and gas and and, – Energy in general, okay? So those uh, are all travel-related, restaurant industries, you know, that type of thing. Brick-and-mortar retail. I think, you know, look, my wife calls, uh, you know, shopping, retail therapy. You know, her sisters do too. So um, (laughs) to me, it's a bore, but, you know, to them, they like it. So consumer spending tracked by the U.S. Bureau of of Economic uh, Analysis declined 2.7%. Compared to, you know, its annual growth rate was about 4% between 2010, 2009. So that will be a very interesting uh, scenario. So we believe the U.S. consumer is uh, poised to make a very strong comeback 
in 2021 as the as they you know they roll out the COVID vaccines and that type of thing. So uh, I think it's uh, something you should pay very very attention to it, uh, much attention to it. But one of the charts I saw this week that really made my eyeball bulge out, if you will, is I looked at a chart, uh, and now, you know, I can't show you the chart, obviously, but, you know, when pent-up demand meets lack of supply, I think prices are going up, okay? And we're starting to see some pricing uh, pressures, uh, and, you know, we're getting back to that, you know, scenario where, hey, you know, we could uh, we could have liftoff on some inflation. I think the Fed wants inflation. At least Mr. Powell does. Now he's not going to be around much longer, but uh, you know the fact that he does, I think, is interesting. So, look, I uh, you know, as Tom Porcelli, uh, uh, our head stra- uh, economist, uh, is very good by the way, uh, talked about it's a very low bar for high growth right now. Okay, so away from you know, if you look at take the market noise away and the volatility in recent weeks, the incoming data suggests. To us, that the fundamental backdrop for the U.S. economy remains on remarkably solid footing. All right, so you know we had a solid GDP report last week, and uh, what you know while the debate goes on in Washington over the ultimate size of the the fiscal aid package, it looks like uh, Kamala Harris has already voted twice, and it looks like she's going to vote a third time. So you know the point is um, we we could be on track for a very good year. Okay, very very good year. So. Uh, you know, look, uh, there's a couple things I think are really interesting. Um, number one, you know, if we look at fixed income, uh, I would think that, you know, my asset allocation would be low to that area simply because there's a lot of risk that the, the chances of interest rates going up. Okay. So, uh, my asset allocation would be more to equities. Uh, you know, some people say the 60-40 deal is dead, and I think it's more like 80-10-10, 10% cash, 10%, you know, bonds and whatever. But look, I, I think there's some questions you got to ask. And, um, and first of all, if you want to add value, some people say, hey, Tim, you're, you're telling everybody what to do on your show. And I said, you don't have a clue. <laughs> what I do in the background, you don't have a clue on. Okay, so uh, believe me, it's it's good stuff. But you know, sometimes you got to go beyond the financial statements to add value, and how, you know, you got to organize your thinking about some extra financial factors like the business model. Uh, and you know, this is what the ESG people are doing, by the way. The market share opportunity, the end market growth, the management, and the environmental, social, and governance stuff—that's becoming very, very prevalent. And uh, people say, "Hey, how can you do that?" You know, uh, it's very easy. You don't have to be a greenie. To, to do the ESG stuff. You can look at software companies. You can look at a lot of names out there. I mean, there's one I just bought. It's up like five bucks on Friday. It has nothing to do with being green. It just has to be doing with good, solid uh, prospects for the future, good management. They te- treat your people very, very well, et cetera, et cetera. Now, look, one of the things I noticed this week was the bull bear spread, which had been very, very high, which meaning people were too bullish, is back down to zero. But the question is, what are the things that go bump in the night that are keeping you awake, okay? And the equity markets got off to a pretty bumpy start, rising, you know, and then getting killed last week, and then uh, now this week they're back right up, okay? But remember, the bullish percent turned down last year, and the same thing happened. Right before it was going to print an X, uh, okay? So 
I think there's some things that you got to watch for. Biden policy agenda has been very aggressive. I don't agree with half the stuff. And if they, they increase the tax rate on capital gains, look out below. Geopolitics. China's first conversation with our with our ambassador over there, they were very stern with us. You know, like, uh, who cares? Speculation valuation ex- excess, I think. All right. There could be some curveballs from the virus. That's another thing you got to worry about. And we'll take it from there. Now, um, one of the things that, uh, you know, I've been talking about is dynamic asset level investing. And, and one of the things I uh, I think is important as we review this right now, because there's been some changes. Dynamic asset level investing is relative strength investing. Where do you, you know, follow the money, okay? And technology has been the lead now for three years, four years almost. And they've just been knocked off. So the top six sectors now are consumer secular, a secular, cyclical, I'm sorry, technology, then energy. Now, everybody's going to say, hey, I'm going to buy the XLE. And that would be the wrong thing to do. That's the worst performing ETF there is. That's where people, that's why people hire me, okay? Uh, energy, it, you know, look, I talked about green energy the day, you know, the week that we knew Biden was going to be in the White House. And that those two ETFs that I mentioned on that show are now up about 125%, okay? And then basic materials was behind there. Then healthcare, then industrials. Now, I thought it'd be consumer cyclicals, industrials, energy, uh, and then basic materials, healthcare, and technology would be tied. At the bottom is utilities, real estate, and consumer non-cyclical. Now, remember, with utilities and real estate, they have yields. When do you buy them? When the yield is up. So you want to buy them when they're down and out, okay? Because what you're looking to do is, is you're, they're buying surrogates. So when they're at the low point, that's when you want to be paying attention to those. I did see some, both utilities and some and and uh, real estate that are starting to show some buy signals. Okay, now these aren't are not on point and figure charts; they're on my charts, Kim Hayes's work. So uh, you got to be a little bit more careful there. Okay, uh, but look, I think there's some oil oil services stocks. I think there's some really good, you know. Uh, consumer cyclical stocks that look really, really good. I mean, uh, you know, I bought Kohl's a while back, and it just was a rocket ship, okay? It did a lot better than I thought it was going to. So those are some things you have to take uh, into account. The other thing I wanted to talk about uh, is dividend growth investing. And, look, there are times, uh, you know, dividends are strong returns for growth. And this is the cheapest dividend growth stocks have been in a long time. And the equity dividend yield versus the 10-year treasury is the highest it's been since 1951. 1951 was the last time dividend, dividend yields were this high versus the treasury. So dividend growth investing is out there, and it's good. If you'd like that, you know, our dividend growth portfolio, go to WHK1420 down to Smart Investor Show and go to my webpage and ask for it, okay? Don't forget, Insights is on that page. There's lots of good uh, investing material. Hey, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. This is Smart Investor Show. Okay, we're back. 
if you just tuned in, this is the Smart Investor Show. And once again, this is a live show. So if you got a question, the number here is 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. So I had a bunch of people ask me, uh, you know, uh, some questions this week. And, and here's some things that I observed. Uh, I talked about the bull bear spread. And I looked at the international stocks, and it seems like it's the smaller cap international stocks that are doing the best. And I have a list of those, but uh, I won't share them with you. <laughs> That's for my clients. Um, also, uh, the dollar went into a column of X's. All right? So that, you know, we talked about that, that the dollar had been oversold and it had three moves down, and there was a chance for a rally up. And so that occurred. That is probably negative for commodities for the short run. Um, and I would, you know, don't know how many X's it's going to put on, but if it's a hard rally, uh, that probably means interest rates are going up too, by the way. Also, the gold-silver ratio is at a low. It's the lowest I've seen in a long time, and that's the amount of silver it takes to, to buy a uh, bar of gold, okay? So it's at a low. It's uh, uh, That's something that we haven't seen in a long, long time. Uh, and when I, I, I want to make a quote on energy, I'm talking about all energy, you know, about dynamic asset level investing coming to number three. Uh, it is oil. You know, oil went positive last week. Uh, now, I said the XLE is not the place to be. It is not. Okay. The big oils are not participating. It's the smaller oil companies. It's also the green energy companies. And the green energy companies is what I talked about back in, in November. And those, you know, the two ETFs that I mentioned back then are up 100, one's up 132%, one's up 119, okay? So it's important that you know what's inside these ETFs. That's come with some of the homework I do. So anyway, I, I mentioned that simply because there's a lot of people uh, that are not paying attention that they bought the XLE and, and I think they're upset. It's not my problem. You know, if you're doing it on your own, it's your own problem. One of the things I also noticed uh, is that the QQQs uh, on a point and figure chart are very, very close to uh, breaking a double top. And, you know, stuff like Apple and, and Amazon and Google all look like they're ready to break out. I don't, you know, I'm not recommending those. They're up a lot. So um, so those are some things that, uh, that I would be uh, paying very close attention to uh, if, if I were out there. <laughs> so. One of the things, okay, so even if I looked at intermediate term trends, uh, you know, tracking, you know, multi-month shifts, they continue to peak and turn down. Uh, weekly momentum indicators for like the Russell, uh, along with, you know, some of the, the uh, emerging markets and copper have peaked and they've turned negative and overbought. So that probably means the dollar is going to rally, okay? The short-term trading indicators are becoming oversold and they're supporting another upside bounce. Uh, you know, China tightening repo rates along with hedge funds collapsing, both long and short market exposure, you know, that type of thing, sent risk assets lower uh, a week ago. And now this week, they're right back at it, you know. So uh, one of the things um, I am seeing is is like REITs and, and some of the utilities are bottoming on an intermediate term basis. And I think that if you look at that, what most people do is that they, they – um, move into these if indeed, uh, you know, there is kind of a, a rally. Now, 
One of the things I've been talking about is the weekly quadrant balance indicator, which is our friend Robert Schleimer, Rob Schleimer, over at Fundstrat, uh, watches this fairly carefully. And he's good, by the way. He's very, very good. Uh, and, and what happened is I thought it was going to go to a, a very, very overbought level. And uh, two weeks ago, when we dropped 600 bucks in two days, uh, or, or 600 bucks each day, uh, it took it down, uh, down quite a bit. So I expect a choppy period through first quarter, followed by a rebound in the second quarter, probably late second quarter. Uh, we are seeing the S&P 500, the daily uh, momentum turn and might be heading negative for a while. So uh, I think you'll see some choppy, you know, look, there's two types of corrections. It could be price correction or a time correction. All right. Uh, if you look at Amazon, you know, Amazon has in from 2018 to, to 2020 went into a time correction. And then at the end of it, it was a price correction, but it went sideways for almost two years. And then Chopped in, in the spring like everything else, and that was the time to buy it, okay? So uh, now the Russell 2000, if you look at it on a weekly basis, the momentum's way up there. So it should turn down a little bit. It's made a great move. I don't think it's over. I just think it's got to be a scenario where, you know, hey, what goes up has to come down sometimes. Uh, or it's going to, you know, worst case scenario, it's going to go sideways. What I have noticed is that the micro cap stocks, has started to take off. And they broke a double top on Friday, or Thursday, I guess it was. And uh, so microcap might be the place to go. I do like the fact that if I look at the relative strength of small caps versus large caps, uh, they did break uh, and are very close to hitting the old high uh, that was set back, by the way, way in 2014. So things could get really interesting. Now, the global markets, you know, uh, I've looked at a couple charts of the EFA, that's the Morgan Stanley Corporate Index for international stocks, more of the developed companies. And it's right where it peaked back in 2018. And what I haven't seen yet is the relative performance versus the S&P 500 break its downtrend. You know, it's going sideways, but it hasn't broken its downtrend yet. And it's fairly, the momentum's up there. So it, I think they're going to have a hard time. Might might take a couple tries to get through that old high of 2018 for those guys. Now, the EEM broke through that. That's the emerging markets, and uh, that's not the only one I like, but there's a whole bunch of them I like. Uh, so it broke through that, but once again, the, the momentum has peaked weekly. So, um, by the way, if I looked at relative strength of the EEM versus the EAFE, uh, I would take the EEM. <laughs> Versus the S&P 500, I still take the S&P 500. So a lot of money moving to the foreign markets, and, and they did that a couple of years ago, and they were dead wrong. So we'll see. If the dollar rallies for a while, that money will come back in a hurry. I did notice the high beta versus low volatility ETFs. Uh, the high beta, you know, made a huge run, and now it looks like it's kind of peaking on the momentum area. You know, momentum's important. Uh, growth versus value, you know, growth is still on a weekly chart way above value. Uh, but on a daily chart, it's it's a fight, and uh, growth is making lower highs, value is making higher lows. So uh, you got to pay very close attention to that part. Um, and if I looked at high beta versus large cap growth, uh, you know the high beta was winning for a while. Now it's kind of peaked and kind of you know it's got to hold where it is, or you know it'd probably go back uh, to where we were. 
Now, everybody asks me about rates, and, you know, rates are kind of hard to, to figure out sometimes. I would just say this, uh, you know, um, we have a lot of resistance. Uh, uh, if I'm looking at the, you know, uh, the 10-year uh, rates now, uh, at 133, you know, and I, I wasn't surprised that we broke out above. I, you know, I, I think yields could go up to that 133 level. Uh, and, and, you know, then we'll see what happens. There's there's a lot of resistance there, and uh, it'll it'll be interesting to see. But if I look at the relative strength, it continues to build to the upside. And, uh, you know, it might peak maybe uh, mid-first mid quarter, late first quarter, who knows, but uh, something to think about. But, you know, you, you look at that 133 mark, and, and there's quite a bit of resistance there, so we'll see if we can get through that. Uh, if we can, uh, things are really interesting. And, and then I go back to the two-year yield. You know, it's at the it's at the low. It, I think it broke to a new low uh, at 10 basis points. Uh, I said eight earlier in the show. I apologize. I was wrong. Um, but it's at 0.103 basis points, and uh, I don't see much in the, in the way of uh, you know getting me excited. Um, you know, because if they break that, you know, critical level, that that point one oh three point or two, uh, a break below that would be a concern. That would probably mean we have a double dip recession coming on our way. Now we talked about the U.S. dollar, and like I said, it, it broke into a column of X's this week. That means it's you know you got the ball, okay? Which usually means the commodities are going to get beat up a little bit, uh, you know, and I think there's going to be a bounce. I doubt though that there's there's much of a bounce because really the support is around, uh, you know, the, the 83 level. And uh, so, you know, that's a big move. We're at 89 right now. And uh, I think, I mean, 91, I'm sorry, we bounced from 89. So I, I think, uh, you know, you could, you could have a situation where we, ha we have a pretty decent sized bounce, maybe even up to 94. Um, and then, and then, you know, it, it would slowly but surely fade back. Uh, to that big support level, but it still hasn't broken its downtrend line dating back to, uh, you know, uh, March of, two, of last year. So, uh, you know, when the interest rates come down, usually the dollar comes down with it. So just remember that. So I, I think, you know, we, what we, we could have is a dollar rally. I don't know if it's, you know, something to worry about. Uh, I did notice that some of the emerging market currencies are look like they're making a double top here. So be careful on that on that side and a uh, crude oil got right to its downtrend line and uh we'll see if it if it continues but i think a, a move to 57 would be very important for crude uh that's wti west texas crude okay west west texas west texas intermediate sorry about that folks um gold you know gold is still pulled back but it, it's not broken down which is interesting uh you know it's consolidating. It found its first uh, support around 23.6% uh, retracement. That, you know, if you look at a couple of Fibonacci numbers, that's interesting. Gold versus copper. Copper's been winning. Um, you know, but, you know, I looked at the gold futures daily, and they're pretty oversold. Now, gold has been leading the dollar. It's been leading the dollar. Just remember that, okay? Uh, copper, you know, is pretty overbought. Uh, kind of peak in short term so just uh, remember that and you know i have found uh, a lot of ideas uh in the real estate area now some of them are more 
they're not so much real estate, but they're more, well, they are real estate, but they're like server farms and towers, you know, names like that. Uh, So I think, you know, real estate is starting to pick up and, uh, you know, I think that's something to consider uh, coming up. Hey, we're going to take a break here. Once again, this is a live show. So if you've got a question, it's 216-774. I'm sorry. It's 216-905-0945. We'll be back shortly. And the Sultans. Yeah, the Sultans. Okay. Hello, everybody. This is the Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes, and uh, <laughs> we had a little bit of mix up there. Uh, I lost my my uh, 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 you know I, I I got dropped from WHK. That's what it came down to. So anyway, we're we're. Uh, we're also having some computer problems, so bear with me real quick. I just have to get uh, to where we have to go. Uh, you know, I, I just want to mention that uh, a couple things. Some people have been asking me about big short positions, and, you know, I thought that what a good idea would be is uh, <laughs> just mention these because they, they they have just, you know, their short positions have stayed, okay? Uh and I think that's important. They they were Clovis. Now I'm not recommending any of these stocks. Uh, I I own a few of them, and I'm not telling you which ones. But Clovis is a biofarm company. SunPower, Fubal TV, and iRobot. Okay. Anyway, the other thing is I blew the phone uh, the phone number earlier. Two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. So if you got a question, it's two one six. 9010945. So, uh, you know, we always talk about the bullish percent on this show. And, and uh, what we've tried to do is start with the big old economy and move our way down slowly but surely. The bullish percent was designed to be a risk uh, indicator. And, um, you know, it's, it's, an, it's an interesting scenario uh, simply because sometimes risk is higher and the market doesn't go down. You gotta remember that, but they take a different stock out behind the barn and shoot it every day. Okay, so just remember that. Anyway, this uh, this indicator was designed to be to make you bullish at the bottom and bearish at the top. Okay, so it goes from zero to one hundred. Over seventy is the red zone, which is just where we were last week, and under thirty is the green zone. That's where you want to get really aggressive and buy. The red zone is when everything's too hot to handle, you know, and you, you should be careful. And if you're in a column of O's, that's a distribution phase. That's where we are right now, okay? Distribution happens a lot faster than accumulation. Just trust me on that. That's when you take a look at your portfolio and say, hey, do I want to keep the stock, you know, uh, do I need, you know, how is it acting, et cetera, et cetera. Or use those O's if you have cash on the sidelines, to come in and buy more stocks coming up. Uh, X's is when the offensive team's on the field and Baker Mayfield's run the show. But at this level, where it's 66.7, is pretty high level. It's almost 70. It's, and it was over 70 just a week ago. We were down 7.5% this week. So you want to be a little bit more careful here. Raise some cash if you've got some stocks you don't like. 
The over-the-counter index was down 4%, 63.2%. That went from 68 all the way down. Uh, And the the world index is in a column of those two. That was at 57. It's now at 51.4, so down almost 5.4%. So I, I just, with the rally, last week okay so we went to a column of o's and then we rallied just remember this time last year i said the same thing okay we had a early we had a late reversal the last week of january and then we rallied and then something happened in february that we all know about now so i just i just want you to pay very close attention all right in the next couple of weeks because we didn't go into a column of Texas. We may. I don't know. It'd be, still be at a very high level. Uh, you know, and just remember that. Look, uh, I want to mention that, you know, energy came into second place on the dynamic asset level investing. Energy is just not oil. It's green energy, too. Okay, so don't forget your solar stocks and that type of thing, your, your hydrogen stocks. And that technology was knocked off the number one list by consumer cyclicals this week. Consumer cyclicals are restaurants. They're, they're brick-and-mortar uh, uh, type um, retailers, et cetera, et cetera, okay? Basic materials became number four above healthcare. That's real interesting, too. And commodities, you know, they moved to the number three rank in the latter part of December. And it'll be interesting. You know, we did have uh, domestic equities still win the game. They're, they're almost 75 votes above international equities, and they're uh, – almost 170 votes above uh, commodities. So so it goes domestic equities, international equities, commodities, fixed income, cash, currencies. If I were doing this, it'd be 70% domestic equities, 20% international, 5% commodities, and then 5% fixed income and cash. Simple as that. Or maybe just 10% cash. So there you go. Uh, I did notice that you know we've had, with the exception of the EEM, uh, which we talked about a long, long time ago, about two years ago in the show. Uh, that's been, that's the only thing that's had positive momentum in the in the last six weeks. Uh, small caps had it for a while, and then they gave it up, and that's just the way it is, folks. So you got to pay very close attention to uh, that type of thing when you're doing this. Now, the price milestone for the QQQs uh, was was had a slight pullback from overbought territory. But it does look like there's a chance that it may, might break a double top coming up here. It has a very high fund score. So, once again, what we're seeing is the leaders, the kings and the knights, are leading us. But the foot soldiers are pulling back. They're back at the they're back at the barracks, smoking cigarettes and drinking coffee. That's usually not a good sign. Okay, um, you know, so you got to be careful what you buy. Now, I did notice we're down to only 33 favored sectors. Okay, and there's nothing in the 80. Uh, I mean, you know, we had five or six in the 80 to 100, 80 or 90 to 100, and now we've changed around a little bit. So we're heading to the left. That's a good thing, folks. Uh, but in the meantime, we do have Steve on the line. Hi, Tim. Steve, uh, yeah, I, how are you? I appreciate. Yeah, pretty good. I don't always get to hear you, but from time to time, I'm, I'm around the radio on weekends. RBC, I love the. Uh, I love the uh, uh, organization you've got with you. Hey, I was wondering, back before the election, I, I get Fortune magazine. You might read it, too. 
And I think it was October, just before the election, I recall a really good article about the oil industry in Canada, the crude uh, and, uh, you know, the connection to the Keystone XL pipeline. And it, the article referred to Calgary as being like our Houston, the, uh, the Canadians' uh, crude oil center. And uh, I just wondered what the future might be, how long it'll take before any impact of the recent Biden curtailment uh, will affect our things coming out of Canada, uh, our relationship with, because I think it's Canada, Venezuela, and Saudi Arabia. Where else are, are we getting oil other than in our own in uh, Texas? Yeah, well, we, have, we have. Steve, we have plenty. Uh, so I just want to see what you think of the uh, future of those uh, of our relationship okay. with those companies. Thanks. You know, cutting off supply is not a really bright idea by the president, in my humble opinion. You know, what you want to do is innovate to new levels. You don't want to just cut people off. And he's going to do it, and I bet you the price of gasoline will be up at three or four bucks again. So uh, I I don't see the energy business going away for a while, but look, uh, they want to go green. So they're going to go green. <laughs> Have you been to a charging station, anybody out there, you know? There's a big diesel engine. <laughs> so much for being green. And, you know, if enough people are using that charging station, how much diesel fuel do they use? And I know it ain't exactly environmental friendly. So, you know, you got to innovate toward uh, something, not not just cut off supply. So I, I think it's going to affect things very drastically, uh, especially since, the, the you know, Biden's gone way to the left. So. Steve, I think it could be a problem. Uh, anyway, we're going to talk about favorite sectors, and we're going to talk about the most overbought to the least overbought. Most overbought is savings and loans. They're at 95%. Banks are at 84%. Uh, media is at 75 At 70 I wouldn't buy any of these. I'd be waiting for pullbacks. Waste management, steel, housing, machinery, electronics, chemicals, restaurants, computers, Internet, and building at 60 4%, getting there, but I'm still wait on these. Non-ferrous metals, financials, Wall Street, automobiles, healthcare, and oil services. At 60, you're getting better. Food, transportation, retail, oil, leisure, gaming, textiles, semiconductors, and business. At 54, this is a place where you can buy some things, software, drugs, cash utilities. At 50, another good place, biotech, and at 44 is aerospace. Uh, so we do have 33, but we had 12 sectors move from above 70 to below 70. So you you want to you want to buy things when they're to the left, not to the right. That's what it comes down to. So uh, anyway, I I did notice that there was um, a couple changes in in where things lie. Let's put it that way. Uh, here we we did have protection services and insurance just go to average, and they had been pretty hot sectors. So now remember, the U.S. dollar went to a column of X's. That's important because if the dollar goes up, foreign stocks go down and commodities usually go down or they they go down in dollar terms. Let's put it that way. So what I, you know, what my friends at Dorsey Wright, who provide us, by the way, with uh, the bullish percent and, you know, it's down by the the options exchange, uh, what what they looked at and, and they did a report on is what groups 
does the, you know, the correlation is, is best. Uh, and it's Greece. Well, I'll start from the top. Brazil, Colombia, Norway, South Africa, New Zealand are the groups that have the lowest correlation uh, to the dollar. So, the, the, you know, the, the Treasury's uh, indices, yield indices, remain on the rise, uh, you know, like I said. And I do think there's some uh, resistance coming up here. So it'll be, it, it will be very interesting coming, uh, you know, going forward. Uh, as far as uh, relative strength, there's a couple of names here, Alliance Resources. Cons, these are all buys. These are things you should be looking at. Sell side, Discovery Channel, Great Plains, Com, Comvault, ICAD, IMAX, Innovo Biomedical, Ligant, Netgear, PetMed Express, Natural Grocers, RPC, SLM, Siebert, and Park City Group. Uh, there's, there's actually like four pages, so it's, uh, there's quite a few that are, are didn't have too many sales, just GameStop, EGAN, and Copper. Standard Holdings. Hey, we'll be right back with Insiders. This is the Smart Investor Show. It's 216-901-0945. 216-901-0945 for a question. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. back. <laughs> little average white band there. I haven't heard them in a long time. Way back in college, uh, I can remember back that far. All right. So anyway, um, you know, we always talk about insiders on this show. And, and uh, what we're doing is we've taken the big economy and we've moved down to ideas, relative strength, buy signals. Those are names you should be paying attention to. People, all the institutions take technical work, and fundamental work and put them together. Uh, they also do added value like, you know, ESG, looking at management, looking at the, you know, believe me, I, I talk with my friends at Marshfield and they talk to management all the time. And by the way, they grill them. <laughs> uh, if you know Chris well, he, he comes prepared. Uh, and I, I think that's kind of interesting. So anyway, uh, I did notice a couple things and I'm going to mention these because I think they're very, very interesting. Uh, you know, I mentioned last week that Interstellar had six insiders buy to you know between nine and twenty thousand or yeah twenty thousand shares. Interstellar has a product for uh, schizophrenia that might be able to work for bipolar. And uh, believe me, the number of people that are stuck at, at home, bipolar is coming out of the the, uh, the woodwork, shall we say? But I also noticed BlackRock in the last two weeks has taken. 21 different biotechs and ha now has a 5% or better position in them. Intercellular is one of them. They have a 7.4% position in them. But they own Opco. Uh, and by the way, you may recall uh, our good friend, uh, the, Mr. Frost, who's made a lot of money with you know selling stocks to Tiva and a few other uh, companies. Uh, he has a big position. He owns almost 30% of the company. Now they own 5.6% of the company. Uh, La Jolla Pharmaceuticals, they just bought 1.7 million shares. Uh, Neolucan, they bought, and uh, by the way, that's 5.9%. Neolucan, they bought 6.4%. Xylopharm, they bought 18 million shares. That's about 7%. Chiropharm, uh, which is a company that has a pill 
uh, for cancer. Uh, 7.1 million or 10%, uh, which I think is very, very interesting. Um, Kodak uh, Therapeutics, which, you know, I bought a lot way earlier. So I'm not recommending it now. It's just like a sky, you know, it was a skyrocket. Uh, they bought 660,000 shares this week. And Imogen, uh, they own 7.8% or about one, uh, one well, 15.1 million shares. And then uh, Constellation, which is another company that has a big, big cancer product, I think, they bought 5.5% of. Uh, they didn't buy all these this week. They just finalized this. So big buys from our friends at uh, uh, BlackRock. And remember, you know, they are the ESG, you know, guys. They are the ESG guys. Uh, also, I noticed a couple things. Uh, th- there's uh, Gaius Sukhaitian, uh, who's a director at Outlook Therapeutics. This is like a $2.13 stock. Uh, he bought 8.3 million shares uh, or, at a dollar. So he, he now owns 10 million, and I believe that's a 10% uh, move. Also, uh, Basswood Capital Management, which is really big value manager, they bought a ton of Bridge Bank Corp. Uh, they bought uh, $7 million worth, uh, you know, on the second. On the third, they bought $1.7 million. Uh, and then they bought $560,000. Uh, so they bought, you know, they, they put their money where their mouth is. And a very good ma- value management. And Mitch uh, Jacobson, who's a director at uh, MS Industrials, which is an industrial company, uh, wholesaler, Bought 5.3 million shares, a uh, million dollars worth. Uh, so that's a big, big move. And then uh, Circulin Holdings uh, at a new high. Uh, Powell Lewicki bought three million dollars worth. Rich Terry bought 1.2 million dollars worth. These are all directors, by the way. Uh, Stuart Simpson bought half a million. Another, uh, the chief commerce off, uh, commercial officer bought half a million. That's Scott Durrell. And we had two others, didn't we? Uh, yeah. Uh, Jeffrey Lightcap, who's a director, bought uh, 250000 Um So, you know, we have quite a few buyers there. So you like to see multiple buyers and some of it big. A couple other names that I noticed, uh, Harley Davidson got cream last week. Uh, you know, it was 40 bucks, It dropped to 33 And what I liked is the president and CEO stepped up to the plate and bought a uh, million dollars worth of stock. And the Martin Craighead, who's a director at Texas Instrument, after it pulled back a little bit, he, he bought a, uh, a million dollars worth of stock. So he likes seeing stuff like that. Um, now, the other thing, a couple of names that I, I kind of think are interesting. Uh, Jack Schuler, who used to be co-head, I mean, he was basically the, uh, not the CEO, but he was a step below the CEO, Miles White at Abbott. Very smart guy, just turned into an investor. Uh, has been buying accelerated diagnostics. And, you know, he bought 300,000 shares, and two days before that he bought half a million uh, dollars worth. But he owns a million shares now, 1.1 million shares, which is a lot, (laughs) Uh, or about 28% of the company. So that's something you've got to pay attention to. Also, uh, Array uh, Incorporated is a medical device. Uh, Joe Witters bought just 100000 but he does own about uh, 4.5% of the company. So those are some interesting uh, some names that I think you should pay very close attention to. So, uh, you know, we, I think the big news is that our friends at uh, 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 
BlackRock are, are buying every biotech they get their hands on. So uh, I, th- I thought that was very, very interesting. Um, and, you know, people don't get that, that you know, th- this is big money. I mean, uh, BlackRock controls about 30% of the money out there. I mean, that's how much they, they own. Uh, so there you go. Uh, last week, um, we saw the indexes pull back with the, the you know, with the, not last week, the week before. With the Dow pulling back over a thousand points for the week, and most of it coming on Friday, and a correction in the index is normal and perhaps overdue. Uh, it's coming during a period of heavy news flow, including you know the quarterly earnings, uh, volatility, you know the, the the GameStop stuff that's going on. So it's it's fairly normal that this occurs, and and I think it's um, you know. You know, we talked about last week we were kind of running in place, not getting anywhere, and and I think, uh, you know, people people were asking me, okay, so the stock market's pulling back. You know, where's where's the bottom? I think the first bottom would be right around twenty nine thousand on the Dow, and then if we you know if we filled the gap, it'd be twenty eight thousand two hundred, and then if we did a ten percent correction, it'd be about twenty six thousand on the Dow. Now, look. There's been a lot of volatility, and that kind of volatility is often seen during turning points. And, and usually it indicates to us the market ahead could be a little bit more range-bound. Uh, but, you know, a, a 10 to 15% move would be normal. I don't know for sure. I mean, no one predicts the future. Uh, I don't for sure. <laughs> uh, but I just think, you know, you want to be prepared because if you look, over the last uh, – you know, several days of January, we made a series of lower highs. And, um, you know, the bullish percent is in a column of O's. Now, with the move last week, we had one of the best weeks we've had in, in a long, long time. What I found was the advanced decline line did not move up. That means we have less companies participating, okay? So uh, with that, with a series of lower highs over the last five or six days, now, I mean, I, we could have gone back to the new high on Friday. I'm not sure, but I don't think we did. Uh, you know, you want to be start to think about uh, you know, being a little bit more careful, okay? Uh, now, we do have a couple tops on the NASDAQ. So if we were to break through the 13, I don't know, 750 number, I think the NASDAQ could continue. But, um, you know, it, it, it appears to be making a double top. You know, so until it breaks through that double top, we'll keep it that way. But it's like uh, dominoes where a few stocks and indicators start to roll over during a few weeks until the momentum builds to a high enough degree to affect the indexes into a correcting trend. And, and we don't know if that's going to occur right yet. But, you know, you don't want to be, uh, you know, you don't, you don't want to be going out and throwing the long bomb. That's what I always say. You know, when you get over 60 or get over we're at 66 right now on the bullish percent. So if if we you know you get over seventy, uh, you know you don't want to throw the long bomb there. You know you want to you know use your head because we're very very overbought. So you know we're up near the highs. You know we, we we've sagged for a while. We actually broke the uptrend that we dated back to the uh, the short term uptrend line dates back to the gap open on the vaccine news back in November. So I, I think we're either range bound. Or, uh, you know, we make a lower high, that type of thing. Who knows? But, uh, you know, I think 
if we consider there's early bullish trends include healthcare, utilities, consumer staples, uh, telecom, the val- value and yield stocks generally. Okay, uh, so they're the ones that uh, I've been noticing and picking up a little bit of steam. I mentioned I mentioned utilities and 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 REITs. Uh, so, you know, there we are. So what would I do now? Uh, um, Tim Hayes' personal opinion is, uh, look, if you go to our webpage, go to WHK1420 AM, okay, uh, and go to local podcast. You go down to Tim Hayes and Smart Investor Show, and basically you go to my webpage. And on my webpage, by the way, uh, we have Insights is, a, is on the top banner. Insights has some great stuff. It archives a lot of stuff. There's some golf tips on there this week, but there's some stuff about Brexit, uh, the markets, the Fed, um, you know, that, you know, portfolio strategy even. Uh, Also, you can get our digital growth, I mean, our dividend growth portfolio, our prime income list. There's a lot of good ideas on that right now. Uh, The Savvy Investors Credit Workbook, um, interest rates are not going to stay this low forever. The Business Owner's Guide to Transition, like I said, I sent a couple of those out last week. Our Family Inventory Workbook. What a, you're sitting at home doing nothing. Why don't you get your financial stuff in order, okay? And we do provide a wealth plan for our clients. Also, I, I had a couple ladies call in last week for uh, Women and Wealth. It's a planning workbook for you. Uh, I'm finding women becoming much more adept at uh, the investment uh, theses and, and ideas. So, um if, if you'd like that, that's there. In the meantime, have a great weekend. It's freezing cold out there, so stay warm. This is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Remember to buy low and sell high. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.